0: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NWSL Challenge Cup semifinal matchups are set after a quarterfinal Saturday that saw two games produce a total of zero goals. In the early match, Sky Blue FC prevailed on penalties over the Washington Spirit after a scoreless draw. Bailey Feist's final penalty was cleanly caught by Sky Blue FC goalkeeper Kalen Sheridan. In the nightcap, Lauren Barnes hit the post on her final attempt as O.L. Rain fell to the Chicago Red Stars on penalties after they too battled to a scoreless draw. That means Wednesday's late semifinal will feature Sky Blue FC against the Chicago Red Stars. The early semifinal will feature Portland Thorns FC and the Houston Dash. Now, please enjoy the latest episode of the Equalizer Podcast. Match day 10, second day of the quarterfinals in the NWSL Challenge Cup. Sky Blue FC win a knockout match for the first time since they won the 2009 WPS Final. And they do it after another 0-0 draw goes to PKs. I'm Dan Lauletta with John Halloran. You're listening to the Equalizer podcast here after each and every NWSL Challenge Cup match. And John doing the day game after the night game today. Uh, total number of goals in those two games. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I kind of enjoy it. I enjoyed the first half of this game. I thought it slowed down a little bit. Yep. in the second half. And I guess I walk away from this saying that if any team could use this win, it's Sky Blue.
1: I think that's fair. I mean, listen, both of us were at the forefront of the the negative Sky Blue reporting a couple of years back. Um, so we know firsthand how bad it was, both through what we reported and what we didn't report. And everybody's talked for the last year and a half about their turnaround and obviously a lot of us have given credits to general manager Elise LaHou for kind of turning around the relationship with the fans and starting to make it a more attractive place for players and then obviously they did very well I thought in the past offseason in terms of bringing in some players who could be dis- difference makers and look they're in this tournament without two of their bigger name players, and yet they've still had a pretty decent tournament. They've had these little moments. I don't think anybody would be jumping out of their seat. I don't think you're watching Sky Blue play and thinking, wow, this is going to be a dominating team. But there's no doubt that they're improved. There's no doubt that they're coming into these games with a completely different attitude. And I think uh, particularly their fan base, as well as a few of the players that that are still left from those down years, uh, you have to feel good for them.
0: And I said this at one point earlier in the tournament, but they are playing with a freedom and a joy that I haven't seen in this team in a very, very long time. Maybe in the entire history of their NWSL existence. I, you know, they were top of the league, I think, like halfway through 2013, and then that team just got decimated with injuries, and they've never been back to even being. A 500 team and you're right there you know you, i haven't watched them and been necessarily inspired i think they are playing okay but i don't know that the sky blue of 2017 18 19 gets through this game against the spirit zero zero to even give themselves an opportunity to get the penalty kicks and i think that says a lot about what has gone on there
1: yeah i think anytime a team can go into a game Um, it it sounds like kind of what you're characterizing isn't necessarily even belief that they're going to win but it's not dread they're not going into this you know thinking oh here we go again um, that this is a team that has enough competitors on it that has some veterans now that is able to step into these games and think we've got a chance and I think the one thing you notice when you watch the team this year is the work rate of some of their players, I think, really stands out. I know one one player for me who's kind of stood out in, in that regard is Paige Monahan, just the work rate that she's had throughout the games. And then, of course, we all know what type of a player McCall Zerboni is, and you put her in any midfield in the league, and you're going to see that work rate go up.
0: Yeah, and I think the Lewandowski-Johnson combination at center back, again, it's not you know, it doesn't stand out. It's not world class necessarily, but I think it's very, very good. I think Estella Johnson's been an underrated player for a long time, and we've had conversations about Lewandowski. You know, would she be a national teamer at this point had she elected to play her club career in the U.S. instead of playing most of her prime years over in Germany? So I think they're good. And uh, Charles Only, uh from Backline Soccer has been touting Kaylin Sheridan throughout this tournament as the best goalkeeper in the league. I think that might be a little bit hyperbole. I don't know that I make her the best goalkeeper in the league, but she is so much better than she was. I think we talked about her after one of the other games, but uh Christy Holly had her pegged and got her somewhere in the 20s in the draft a few years mm-hmm. ago. She made a little bit of a mistake early on in yep. this one and didn't pay for it, but was really, really good thereafter. And I thought it was, not, it was fitting that she caught that last penalty to seal it.
1: Yeah, because, yeah, I think the one you're talking about is that Teagan McGrady Service, maybe 13 minutes in, that she just flailed at it. I think she tried to get in front of Ashley Hatch because she was worried about the contact and ended up going about two steps too close, and the ball went completely over her head. But the save that she made right before halftime off of Ashley uh, Sanchez's header was absolutely incredible. And she she stuffed Houston with about 15 minutes to go. So even if you take the penalty save, out of it, which, of course, was the final moment, the hero moment for her. She still had a pretty solid game, keeping them in that game for 90 minutes.
0: And I tweeted this, but I can't say it enough. In 2018, when that team was at the edge of despair for literally the entire season, and they were 20 minutes away from going winless for an entire season and lost games in all sorts of different ways, Kalen Sheridan never, ever, Refuse to stop and talk to the media about whatever was going on with that team. And I, as a journalist, will never forget that. And, uh, makes me pull for her to do well because, uh, a lot of players, and we've seen it at this tournament. I won't mention any names right now, but players who are very front and center when they're doing great things are all of a sudden not available if there's a little bit of controversy to be had. So, uh, ton of credit to Kaylin Sheridan for that. And I want to just make that a Make, it, you know, make sure I get that out there on the podcast as well as on Twitter. Uh, spirit takeaways, because, uh, I mean, maybe they were the favorites coming out of the game with the courage gone, but maybe not with no Sullivan, no DiBiase. Lavelle played the 30 minutes. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a, you know, I, I leave this tournament kind of, I'm a spirit believer right now. I think Richie Burke has the ship really steered in the right direction you know, they're still, you know, the courage ship is still way out there in front, even though they're out of this tournament also. But I think he's got this thing moving in the right direction. And as he said, we lost on penalties. We didn't lose the game and they needed to maybe be a little bit more efficient in the final third. But I I, I say goodbye to the Spear from this tournament and I'm thoroughly impressed with them.
1: Yeah. There's a few things I think that, you know, if we had, if you had asked me to project, the Spirit starting midfield, it would have been, I think, what most other people would have projected um, for this tournament, which would have been Andy Sullivan, Rose Lavelle, and, and Jordan DiBiase. And obviously they lost Sullivan to injury, and Lavelle, as it turns out, was being limited by U.S. soccer in terms of her minutes here. Uh, the decision not to start DiBiase, I thought, was a bit curious and uh, because she wasn't on the injury report, so it didn't seem that there was something he, he that... Actually-
0: he actually oh, said he? in the post game that she tweaked something late yesterday. So I think the report okay. came out before that happened, but she was okay. hurt today.
1: That's fair. Um, but I thought Ashley Hatch early on, the first 20 minutes, was having a really strong game. I thought she had some nice holdup play. I thought she was finding her diagonal runs. There was one where she uh, looked like she had gotten in with a ball over the top. And then she went down, but she didn't complain. So I don't know if she fell. I thought she had been tripped, but she didn't complain, and there was no call. So maybe that, maybe she just lost her footing on that one. But uh, you know, she she had some influential moments. She beat uh, Johnson on that one play, maybe 20 yeah. minutes in, and, and Johnson fouled her pretty harshly too, and got a yellow out of it. I thought Tori Huster had a pretty solid game, especially later. Uh, in the match, she obviously is the one who served the the ball into Sanchez right before the halftime that probably should have been a goal, uh, absent that spectacular save from Sheridan. And then I don't know how. I'd really like to go back and look, but there was a play in the 75th minute where Houston was somehow in the six yard box and had an open shot that Sheridan uh, Sheridan saved.
0: Yeah, that was um wasn't that all? There was like a long ball and. It went like across cross, not a long ball, but like a cross when it went all the way to the far post and then it kind of recycled and Houston right. wound up with it after that play. Yeah, Houston doesn't get in that spot very often.
1: The other thing I'd say, too, is I thought that Yoka, Yokoyama was starting to work her way into the match a little bit. And I, I, I don't know if it, this was a minutes issue, a load issue, but I, w- I don't think I would have subbed her out of the game. Uh, at least that early, because we saw right before the half, she was starting to put some together some combinations. And then she, of course, uh, combined with Hatch right after the break. And uh, she had that combination where she played Hatch, Hatch played her, and then she put her shot off the bar and then a second chance dropped. So I thought she was starting to make an impact. And, and then a couple minutes later, she was out of the game. So, I mean, do
0: you look at this team, though? If you've got Yokoyama, Hatch, and Sanchez up top, and if you can get that midfield, you talked about Lavelle, Sullivan, and DiBiase, and then you have players off the bench like Feist and Chris Thomas. I mean, that's
1: the makings of a really good team, isn't it? It is, and their back line is great. You know, Paige Nielsen uh, has had a good tournament, I thought. Sam Staub had a quiet tournament, but as we say, you know, sometimes for a center back, that's a good thing just means you didn't notice them, which means they didn't make any mistakes. Um, and obviously, Tegan McGrady looks like she's coming into her own. They're getting contributions out of Houston. So you've got a back line. You've got a star-studded midfield, and you've got some players up front who can do some things. Listen, coming into this tournament, a lot of people thought that they had a chance to be the second-best team, and that's the way they finished the group stage. It just didn't work out in the knockouts.
0: I mean, I have to think healthy Sullivan, healthy Lavelle, they win this game. It's a different game for sure. And, you know, there's a lot of consternation on social media after the game about Lavelle's 30 minutes. And Burke came right out and said, look, U.S. soccer had her on a minute restriction. First of all, I have to assume that's uh, tied to the fact that she did get injured because we've seen enough other American players that are not on such a strict minutes restriction. But I think it's also fair to point out that I didn't. Hardly notice her in the 30 minutes. She had the one play toward the end. It might have been the 90th minute where Sky Blue had a flurry, and then she kind of busted out on a counter, pulled up, waited for teammates, and then made a pass that didn't really do any damage, and that was the end of that. But considering how much her and Hatch changed the Thorns game when they came in at halftime in the preliminary round, I was thinking when Lavelle's coming in this game, minute 60, if we get the real Rose Lavelle, the Spirit will completely dominate this next half hour. And I didn't think that happened.
1: Yeah. I don't think she really found the game and whether that was because the game was choppy because players were tired or the heat was getting to them. I would agree that I don't think she made a, a big impact once she got in there.
0: Another thought I had on this one was in the penalty shootout. I thought Bledsoe moved early before every single PK and four of the five shooters went the other direction. And the one that she saved was the one that shot it the way that she went, but I thought she moved, and I think Sheridan even did it too. But I thought Bledsoe really, and she saves a lot in the in the regular season. I think she's got pretty good PK numbers, but I, I thought she really kind of started coming not off her line, but right and left early on. I don't know if you noticed that too.
1: I, I didn't, and I don't really know how much as a, as a shooter you're taking that into account because by that point in the motion, you're probably is you're probably put your head down to look at the ball to strike it.
0: And you probably don't want to be making those, uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, you, know, you usually don't want to change your mind because that usually results in a pretty bad kick.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, any other thoughts on the match before we put a wrap uh, on this one?
1: I think, um, I think Flores had a nice game for Sky Blue coming off the bench late in that game too. I thought she had some nice combinations with Monahan and Zerboni and obviously, um, and I, I think. You actually remarked uh, on this play on Twitter, but the Flores, Monaghan, and Zerboni combined that one time in the corner, and then uh, that service came in to Anumanu for an open header, which uh, she 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 like overcorrected. The one thing you always teach strikers in front of the net when they're heading the ball is to head the ball down.
0: Right, not that far
1: down, though. Right. She headed it so far down that it bounced over the net. And, you know, I mean, obviously I'm sure she feels terrible about that, probably a little bit better that they came out with the win. But uh, I thought Flores had a nice game, made some impacts out there on that uh, flank late in the game.
0: I'm telling you, I think Flores is the number one reason why I don't think Purse should be playing right back. Cause I I mean, look, I understand why Purse is playing there. She believes, and I, I hope someone told her this, that the national team wants to see her right, right outside back. But I have seen nothing at this tournament to suggest, A, that Purse is good enough as an outside back to stick on the national team or that b she's not better off for this team playing up top especially with no carly lloyd mallory pew they're going to get at least one more shot at it i'm going to guess purse plays outside back again on wednesday but i have not seen any any indication that that's the correct move as far as sky blue is concerned
1: yeah and i think it there's a confidence issue we've talked about this before too that You know, when when Ellis was the coach, the number of players, forwards, wingers, who got called in and then played as outside backs, and then you kind of watch their club form fall apart. I I don't necessarily think you have to play the same position. Does Crystal Dunn have to play left back for the North Carolina Courage to be an effective left back at the international level? Of course not. Um, Now, maybe – W.
0: O'Hara back in the day?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't – I struggle with that. Play players where they're best. Play them where they're going to help your team the most. If that's good enough to get them called in, then they got to make the adjustment. And yeah, that might be a little difficult at times. But we've seen just too often, especially look, Midge Purse a great player, but I don't think anybody is going to put her in their top eighteen to twenty American players. Yeah, exactly. So and- at best, she's a fringe player. And so play her where she's going to have the most success. And if that's enough to earn her her way into the national team and earn her a shot, then maybe you switch it up just for the international level. But, um, yeah, I would have no problem seeing her play as a forward for Sky Blue.
0: And I think it's it varies player to player, right? Crystal Dunn obviously is fine playing in the attacking midfield role at the club level and then going into the national team level the next week and playing an outside back and then right back. At the club level. I don't know that every player necessarily can handle that as seamlessly as she does, but I also think Purse is what, 24, 25, somewhere around yeah. there. If you're still having to get in that position to make your way onto the national team. And I'm not suggesting that you can't get to the national team late in the game, you know, a la Jess McDonald. But if you've already if you've already got a position that you're good at, it just it strikes me as a little bit odd to just kind of try and force feed her at a position that is not you know, her natural position or one that she's really played a lot.
1: Yeah. And and to be honest, a lot of times when you make that transition with a player as a coach, it's because that player isn't good enough, uh, you know, to, to play that other position. And I don't think you can say that definitively with Sky Blue. Uh, I think most people would argue that based on her previous form, she would add something to Sky Blue's attack if she was playing there.
0: I've got one more general point to make, and then we'll wrap up the segment. Uh, I have noticed a lot in this tournament in particular that there are way too many attacking players in this league that really need conditions to be ideal to pull the trigger on a shot. Um, <laughs> I think Ashley Sanchez has proven maybe to be one of them. Um, there was the w- Nichelle Prince play in the Houston game on um, Friday night. You know, I think so many players, when they get a ball in, they don't pull the trigger on it and they wait and they wait and they try to, you know, get themselves into the exact right position. And I think we're losing out maybe on some goals because of that. You know, I don't want to compare players to Sam Kerr, but you can give Sam Kerr the ball and whether it's her right foot, left foot head or whatever other part of her body, it's legal to touch the ball with. She's going to figure out how to get it on frame.
1: Yeah. I, I Listen, that's a problem that every coach has had all the way down to, you know, U seven.
0: It's like the old Michelle Akers axiom practice scoring, not shooting. Yeah. You know, she used to say, don't feed me the ball at my feet, feed me the ball anywhere you want. And let me see if I can get it in the goal. All right. So sky blue FC moves on zero, zero draw with the Washington spirit. Kaylin Sheridan saves a couple of penalties, including the finale on Bailey uh, Feist and sky blue moves on. So three quarter final recaps down. And one to go. I'll be back with Rachel Krigger to discuss rain and red stars. You are listening to the Equalizer Podcast. Hey, everybody. Jeff Kasouf here, founder of The Equalizer. Thank you for listening to the Equalizer Podcast. Wanted to let you know that we also have another podcast that I host called Kicking Back. Kicking Back is a one-on-one style interview type podcast where we talk to players and coaches from the women's game and get to know them a little bit better and talk about some of the moments that define their careers. So after you're done listening to this podcast, which please finish this one first, head over, check out Kicking Back, make sure you don't miss it. We've got interviews with some of the top personalities in the game right now and many names that you know from previous years in women's soccer, and many more interviews to come. So check us out on any platform. The one you're listening to right now also has kicking Back, and we'll get you back to the Equalizer podcast now. Segment 2 of the Equalizer podcast on Match Day 10 of the NWSL Challenge Cup. And a quick reminder to please check us out on the web at EqualizerSoccer.com. And for premium content, it's EqualizerSoccer.com slash subscribe. We hope you've enjoyed what's been coming your way during the NWSL Challenge Cup. And also a quick reminder that if you like what you hear on the podcast, please rate and review the Equalizer podcast today. Dan Loletta back at you with Rachel Kriger. And, uh, Rachel, I got some very similar words to open now third straight segment over a day and a half. And I'm opening by saying there are no goals to talk about. Rain and Red Stars go to penalties zero, 0-0. Zero. Uh, the big chance in regulation came from, well, the big chance that should have been scored was Kaylee Awad. Alyssa Nayer also had a couple of good saves for the Red Stars. And uh, the Rain just missed two penalties. Red Stars made all four of theirs. But... This was actually a much better game than I, I thought. This might be the boring game of the quarterfinals. And despite no goals, it actually was actually kind of enjoyed this game, but I think we're all ready for a goal.
2: Yeah. De- definitely ready for a goal in, in this tournament in in the knockout rounds again. Um, only one goal in, in the knockouts is kind of a crazy statistic, if you will. Um, it's definitely not usually heard of too in the nwsl we're, we're used to hearing about close games of course but we're used to having some some goals around them as well but i thought that just like you said i thought this was the more entertaining of the at least to me i think it was the more entertaining of the um three scoreless draws uh this weekend and i think that OL Reign rain for me just completely shifted how they were in the group stage to the knockouts and i think they played you know despite being on the losing end of things and the penalties, I think they played a really complete 90 minutes.
0: I think both teams were much better than they were during the group stage. The rain maybe had more ground to make up than the red stars did. uh, But I kind of agree. And I thought it was, I thought this was actually the best game of the four quarterfinals. You know, there's a lot more memorable element to the thorns upsetting the courage, but I thought this was a better soccer game overall. Um, you know, both teams had parts of the game where they controlled, you know, both teams did some nice work through the midfield. Both teams created some chances. There was some good goalkeeping. Uh, there was nothing that stands out in terms of like a bad call or a missed call that jumps off the page. So yeah, I think, I think you're right about the rain. You know, I think for four games, we were like, what is going on with this team? And now they finally started to play well. And they're on their way home, which is, you know, kind of unfortunate. I mean, they play five games, and they gave up two goals, and they're heading for the exit. So it, it's a little bit cruel and unusual sometimes, the soccer thing we talk about all the time.
2: <laughs> yeah, sports, sports in general, too. I mean, I was really intrigued to see some of the lineup changes, too, that Ben Steedy put on the rain taking – You know, Allie Long out pretty much and putting Jeff, Jeff Fishlock back in the midfield. Maybe that has something to do with the, with the national team and limiting minutes and whatnot. But I thought that the connection between Fishlock and, and Shirley Cruz was really, really good today. And I think that, you know, we finally got to see the Sofia Huerta that we all really know and, and love for just her, just her prowess when she, creates chances when she's taking shots she looked really threatening i think in this game and i think chicago kind of had a hard time containing her and trying to figure out who to put on her because you still have to focus on those other good attackers like cruz and and fishlock and darian jenkins jody taylor but i think that it was a really really good showing from her somebody who i wouldn't say needed it but i i think it looks good for her and you know obviously Vlaco andonovsky is in the stands he's watching what's happening and i think that even though she hasn't played in every game in the tournament i think she had a really good performance today and it's something that maybe vlatko might jot down in his uh little notebook <laughs>
0: Yeah, I thought Long had to be unavailable for this one, right? Because wouldn't she have come in for Huerta in the last minute if, if for no other reason than to take a PK?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking, thinking too. But so, but not no dice.
0: <laughs> yeah, but to your point, I you know I didn't think this was the truly explosive, dynamic Jess Fishlock, and that's certainly not a criticism. It's her second game back and first real full run since ACL surgery 13 months ago. So it's not a criticism, but I think she still has a lot of room to grow back into the player that we remember her as over the first seven years of rain soccer. Uh, and I agree about her and Cruz. I thought Cruz was probably the best rain player out there. She did have an awful lot of space, which was a little bit surprising. Uh, and you're right about where to two. though. You know, if you tell me right now that those three are back Playing for the rain in 2021, then sign me up to watch a lot of rain soccer because I think the three of those players can be very special. I think that's really, you know, honestly, you know, I wrote earlier about the spirit, you know, if they can be healthy and if they can get, you know, and maybe another forward, that'd be great. And, you know, the Royals, you know, if they can, you know, they didn't get Mars on, but if they get somebody else in, you know, and they seem to be figuring things out with Harrington, maybe they can be great. But these three for the rain, Really something that could be fantastic to watch over the course of a full season.
2: And that's interesting too, because those aren't, you know, the youngest players on the team. Those aren't,
0: no, not at all,
2: quote unquote, your your faces of the franchise. And you know, Shirley Cruz is 34 years old, and you're just, you're saying that she was probably the best player out there tonight. That's a testament to just how she carries herself and how much trust that Fareed Steady. obviously he has the the history with her, the relationship with her, but it just shows how much he's willing to put on her even though she's a new player in this system and even that too i mean all of the roster turnover that the rain had bringing in new pieces from from europe and whatnot and just to see them finally click together um and i don't think it was a situation where it's oh they finally clicked too little too late anything can happen in penalties they're crazy and wild and just totally unpredictable. But I, like I said, I think this was just the most complete 90 minutes for OL Reign. And it's a shame that they have to go home on, on a, I mean, they're going home on a high note, but to go home after playing your best 90 minutes is you know, just heartbreaking.
0: Well, if you think about it, there's, there's four teams now on their way home. Three of them had shutouts in the final game. And the fourth one, the one team that gave up the goal, the courage were far and away the best team of the eight in the quarterfinals, if you just look at the soccer from minute one to minute 90.
2: Yeah, I totally agree.
0: Now, Red Stars are moving on. And, you know, the, the story for the Red Stars this year was obviously, how are you going to replace Sam Kerr? The answer so far is they haven't replaced Sam Kerr. And I don't mean that metaphorically. I mean that they have literally gotten zero goals out of their forwards. They have a goal from Morgan Gatreau, who was injured and unavailable for this one. And they had a goal from Casey Short. That's it. Two goals in five games and they are still in this tournament and no goals out of their forwards. And you know what? It's really nice when Morgan Guttrow and Casey Short score, but they're supposed to be uh, you know, they're supposed to be extra scoring, not your main scoring. And you know, Kaylee Awatt had that chance. I don't know what she was doing because she could have shot it. And she cut to her right, could have shot it again. Then she tried to get it in a better spot. And then basically just had to, you know, gently tuck the ball into the corner and overcooked it from, what, eight yards tops? Mm -hmm. But, again, no goals for Watt, no goals for Katie Johnson, no goals for uh, Savannah McCaskill, no goals for Rachel Hill. Uh, You know, Vasconcelos came on late. She hasn't scored So that's it for the – you know, Red Stars are a good team, but they've got to figure out how to get their forwards in and get them a lot more opportunities because that watch chance was nice, but I don't know whether – there weren't many others to speak of.
2: Yeah, and it's it's a cumulative group of a lot of experience too. I mean, they have scored goals before and, you know, being a forward that's in your DNA so you know I don't know if it's adjusting to new midfield partners new chemistry on the pitch but something it just isn't working right now for the red stars maybe they need a tactical change maybe they need to do something with their formation it just right now it's not working for Chicago and you know we we talk about Sam Kern. obviously those are huge shoes to fill and it's it's something that isn't going to happen overnight but like you said I mean if you're not scoring goals and you're not getting them from your forwards then where are you going to get them in the semifinals and and potentially in the finals like it is I think that I think that Chicago you know not to get into too much of a preview is going to maybe be the like If they win, it would be an upset almost against Sky Blue because I just think that Sky Blue has a little bit more completeness with their front attackers than Chicago does, and that's well, where your goals are going to come from.
0: We can get into a preview because I'm not sure I agree with that because where are the goals coming from Sky Blue?
2: I would say that Anamanu had some good chances today. Obviously, she didn't score, and I've really liked Naokawasumi so far in the tournament. I think she's been pretty good.
0: And that's fair. You know, when Anamanu had the one chance and Kaylee Watt had the one chance for Chicago and both of those are the chances that they would have, like, not been able to sleep on the plane ride home because they were still thinking about those chances. And they both got bailed out by their teammates and penalties. Watt was part of it because she made her penalty, real, real good penalty, too, for Kaylee Watt. Um, I mean, we head into a semifinal run, though, with the same, I mean, is this going to be the same thing? Where we're where these teams are all going to struggle to score because I don't think it's been a fluke that these teams are not scoring. You know, I think coming into the tournament we had a lot of teams in transition. I think that has kind of played out, and and players are tired. You know, I'm not a big fan Mm -hmm. of no extra time, but I I mean I I think they've done the right thing based on what I've seen on the field so far i i just hope we get reason we got three games left i just hope they're reasonable games because these four were um you know i don't have anything against the scoreless draw but some of the soccer in these last four games was a little tough to take
2: yeah it's it's definitely been sluggish at times and i think it does come down to just the players being tired and and that's not a criticism they're human beings and they are just running and you know, sprinting until the wheels fall off pretty much. And, you know, with, with some injuries to certain teams and certain players, you have players logging more minutes than maybe they thought that they were going to have to. So I think that, I think that it's interesting in regard to, you know, who's getting subbed in and who's getting subbed out. And, you know, we talk about the U.S. national team managing minutes, but also like, are these players just downright tired where their wheels are falling off and they just can't really give anything anymore. I think that in the semifinals, you know, the, there's about the same stretch of a break that there w- was here in the quarterfinals. I think it's going to be interesting to see what teams just come out of the gate firing on all cylinders and, and who tries to go and who hopefully scores a, a, a goal in the semifinals because we need some we need some goals. I'm waiting for some yeah. goals. Um, but I'm ready to see who comes out just full force and just going for goal, not sitting back too defensively and just waiting for the attack.
0: Yeah, and keep in mind, Megan Oyster, we think, has a broken rib, so she's probably not playing for the dash. And I don't know how good the dash are depth-wise in the back, so I feel like the Thorns have some goals in them. You know, I feel like Morgan Weaver's one of the few players in this tournament who has actually gotten better as the tournament has gone on, and I'm tabbing the Thorns to score at least two against the Dash and get through to the final. And uh, I think it's going to be Thorns Red Stars final. What do you think of that?
2: I th- I think that would be an interesting final. Um... Yeah, I told you about this earlier. I'm super excited for that first semifinal game because you have two people from my hometown of Pittsburgh going against each other. But I think that Portland. I agree with you. I think Portland might have the edge, and I think that just downright comes to experience and they're they're used to quick turnarounds like this, and they're used to kind of a you know a playoff mentality and having that at their at their disposal. So I think that I think Portland might have the upper edge in that match. I think it's going to be I think whenever you get a a Houston game, it's going to be chippy, no matter who's refereeing or, or who's on the pitch. So that's just kind of their their style, their their motive, how they rock and roll. But I think that that's going to be a, a thorns win and them heading to the finals, which that's is crazy hot. because I mean, sorry, I, it's crazy because you know they didn't have a goal in the group stage and it they was had just a goal.
0: they didn't have a win.
2: Oh, they didn't have a win. my bad. they didn't have a win in the group stage, and now we're talking about them making it to a final. It's just that's how crazy that soccer is.
0: now, Rachel, as high as your opinion is of Pittsburgh, and I've never been there, so I'm not going to judge it. Um, I don't Great know sake. that our listenership necessarily just blindly knows who the two players from Pittsburgh are. So can you uh, let us let us in on that? And we know Klingenberg is one, but who's the other one?
2: Yeah, forgive me, Megan Klingenberg and Veronica Latzko. I forget that Pittsburgh is maybe not the, the highlight <laughs> of women's soccer. Um, it, it is in my little brain and in my little Pittsburgh bubble. But Veronica Latsko for the Dash and Megan Klingenberg for the Thorns.
0: Well, at least you'll know you'll have a Pittsburgh player in the final. Yes. A couple of other quick points on the game. On Saturday night, Red Stars wise, I thought uh, Rachel Hill and Katie Johnson played too slowly. What I mean by that is they didn't react quickly enough to the developments around them. In the first half, especially, I thought Lauren Barnes left Rachel Hill tons of space down the Red Stars right side. And she didn't do nearly enough with it. Johnson, same sort of thing. I think if they're going to open up the floodgates and score some goals, their forwards are going to have to not only be better, and the midfield's going to have to get them the ball, but they're going to have to play quicker. Not That doesn't mean they have to be faster. They have to just play quicker soccer. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I think there were times, um, you know, forgive me, I can't speak too much about Johnson, um, but for, from what I've noticed about Rachel Hill there were a few crosses that I think she had players that you know weren't quite wide open but definitely had some space. I remember there was a cross and and it skipped like way wide past Savannah McCaskill and it's just those could have been a little bit sharper. I just think that yeah, I think it's been a little bit sluggish and maybe they're tired. Maybe it's the the amount of minutes they're getting, but it just they definitely need to to play faster, so I agree with you.
0: And then quicker. my other point yeah, quicker my other point is that there's been a lot of discussion social media and elsewhere about who is the best goalkeeper in this league. Caitlin Sheridan <laughs> Jeez. has gotten to run, you know, Aubrey Bledsoe hasn't, I don't say she hasn't had a good tournament. She hasn't had to do anything that has made her stand out, but she's been very good. Uh, you know, Bixby and Eckerstrom with Portland. But can we not forget how good Alyssa Neyer is because Fishlock had that great shot in the first half. And I forget who had the shot in the, Um, Huerta off the corner kick late in the game. And, you know, Nayer does these things kind of very nonchalantly, but let's not take her out of the conversation just yet as the best or one of the best goalkeepers around.
2: I think it's just expected at this point from her because she's a world champion and (laughs) because she's a world champion and, and she just, you know, she, she's the undisputed starter there. You're not going to get any, um, Type of goalkeeper, I think controversy, um, in, in Chicago, but yeah, I mean, she was fantastic today. I think the goalkeeping play throughout this whole tournament has just been outstanding and Alyssa Nair definitely deserves a spot at the top of the list somewhere near the top, but I, I think I'm riding on the Kaylin Sheridan wave a a little bit. And that's not just based off of today's game. I think that's based off of the last couple of years and, you know, no discredit to Aubrey though, no discredit to Nair. But I think that, you know, Kaylin Sheridan just has this completeness around her and this calmness around her, no matter how crazy and, and chaotic things get and on penalty kicks, free kicks, whatnot. She's very commanding, I think inside the, inside her own box. And I think that, her leadership has taken such a different level, too. She's definitely more of a leader than she was maybe, say, two, three years ago.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And I also haven't forgotten that Nayer literally gave away a goal against Washington in the first game of the preliminary stage. So she hasn't been perfect. I just want to point out that she's still very, very good. Rachel, thanks for doing the late shift with us here on the Final Quarter the final day of the quarterfinals. And by the way, we had, you know, Meg Linehan of The Athletic was offering to donate money to a charity to any player who scored a goal and went down the slide, and there was only one goal to show for it in the entire four (laughs) games. Everyone's been waiting for these last three games. Is somebody going to go down the slide on that playground? Well, guess what? Tournament is moving to Rio Tinto on Wednesday. And we'll be back to discuss the semifinals On Wednesday, early game is Thorns and Dash. Late game is Sky Blue and Red Stars. We are all hoping for goals to talk about on Wednesday. But, Rachel, thanks for staying up late for this one and, uh, again, for all your hard work uh, on social media throughout this tournament and for the Equalizer. We'll be back on Wednesday for John Halloran and Rachel Krigger. My name is Dan Laletta. Thanks again for listening to the Equalizer podcast.
2: When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible XFi gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed.